Welcome to New City Online. I'm Ron. And I'm Rodney. And thanks so much for tuning in today. And hey, if it's your first time checking out New City Church, we want to say a special welcome to you. If you want to take that step and connect with us, you can do so by going to newcity.us connect. Fill the form out there and I'll be in touch with you this week. All right, so there's a couple of virtual events coming up real soon that I want to make you aware of. The first is Group Link. Now, if you've been hanging around with us for any prolonged period of time, you may have heard us say that community is our design. And what that means is we don't want you to do life alone. In fact, Ron, I believe that we weren't created to do life alone. So if you're looking to get connected into biblical community, then GroupLink is the place for you. Now, the second thing I want to remind you of is date night for married couples. Now, Jacqueline and I are really excited about this one because we're looking to establish a healthy rhythm of investing in our marriage. Now, again, this is a virtual event, but don't worry. If you sign up and can't make it at that day and time, the video and the resources will be available on demand at any time. So whether it's group link or date night, you can find out all the information at newcity.us events. And a few weeks back, we took up our Christmas serve offering. And if you remember, we give 100% of this offering away. This year, we identified two local partners as well as one global partner. And typically, we love the opportunity to go and give these gifts to them in person on behalf of you, New City Church. Of course, this year looked a little bit different, but we were still able to capture some of these moments so that you could celebrate the generous gifts that you gave. You know, our simple purpose as a church is to bring gospel renewal to our city and our world. And uh, we know that that um, requires us um, to, to join hands with so many wonderful people in sharing that mission together, uh, of which Crisis Assistance um, is just a great partner and friend. And, and just, it's an honor for us to be able to, um, to give you a gift today for $43,693. Oh my goodness. Okay, I'm almost speechless. Hey, Mark. Um, hey, thanks for letting us meet with you today. And and we, we did take a serve offering over Christmas and our New City family gave. Um, and we're excited today to give a portion of that to Mana in the amount of $43,693. Uh, it's not an exaggeration to say that this will, uh, but if we can get it shipped and, and in place in some of these countries here on my wall, um, it will save a life of a uh, thousand kids. So, appreciate it. And I'm really excited to tell you that we're going to be sending you a check for $43,693 from our church from the serve offering to help Matthew's Help Center and uh, all the wonderful families and people that you serve. So, uh, thanks for letting us um, partner with you, and we're we're excited to to be a small part in a the big mission that you're that you're fulfilling in our city. So as you just saw, your generosity goes far beyond the four walls of the church. So thank you so much again for your generosity. And as a reminder, you can always give to New City at newcity.us give. Now let's join Stuart as he leads us in worship. 
Welcome to New City. We're so glad that you're tuning in with us. It says in Psalm 96, sing to the Lord all the earth. So let's sing together today. You make it easy to love you. You are good and you are kind. You bring joy into my life. to trust you You have never left my side You've been faithful every time And all I want is you Jesus All I want is you Cause you
So we're gonna learn a new song today called House of Miracles. And it's a reminder to us about the power of God that's working in us and through us. So let's sing this together. This is a house of worship. This is a place of praise. Where every demon trembles. Where we proclaim your name. This is a house of Jesus Christ. 
you pray with me? God, we're so thankful that you're a God who's with us and who's for us. And you're speaking to us even now. And I pray that as we open your word, would we hear you speak to us? In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Today, we're continuing our series, How to Grow Your Faith, with a sermon from Pastor Chris about personal ministry, how we grow our faith when we stop being passive spectators and start being active participants in the work God is doing around us. Our faith grows best when we follow Jesus. This sermon is coming from Matthew chapter four and five. So as you have time, go ahead and turn to that passage or pull it up through the New City app. Also wanna encourage you to say hi in the chats on Facebook and YouTube. I'm in those platforms right now and would love a chance to connect with you. Now here's Chris with part four of How to Grow Your Faith. He's wide open. You need to do something. Don't just stand there. I have embarrassingly said these phrases way too many times from the comfort of my armchair watching football on Sundays. Maybe you have too. Maybe you have just recently. The, the, the truth is that it's so much easier to be an armchair quarterback, to, to watch someone else doing something incredibly difficult and to sit back and critique them or maybe give suggestions or maybe scream some things. It's easy to sit uh, even more so on the sidelines of life and maybe watch other people doing life or parenting or in your job or whatever and to watch them and maybe quietly or openly critique it um, while you're not participating at all. I think, I think all of us can relate to that, right? And when it comes to faith, that can be true as well. On our faith journeys, I, I know for, for those of you watching today, some of you are just starting your relationship with Jesus. Some of you have been following Jesus for, for many, many years. And, and some of you are, are just kicking the tires. You're trying to understand who is Jesus and, and, and do I really want to, to follow him? And, and the reality is with our faith, sometimes we can, we can do the same thing. We can sit back from the, the comfort of our armchairs and watch other people in their faith journey and maybe critique or say some things, but not really jump in ourselves and engage our, our faith as, as, a, as a ministry personally, to, to jump in and to engage it with our own hands and with our own hearts and our lives. I, I heard somebody say, say it this way. I thought this was a fascinating quote. Um, see how this hits you. They said, it's, it's better to, to doubt out loud than it is to disbelieve in silence. When it comes to faith, it's better to doubt out loud than to disbelieve in silence. And when I first heard that, I was like, uh, I don't know. But the more I've thought about it, the more I'm like, yeah, that, that's right. Because too often we can cross our arms and kind of sit in our armchairs and disbelieve quietly while other people are participating and engaging and struggling in their faith. But at least they're saying it and they're asking questions and they're, they're trying to really grow and participate in their faith journey. And so we've been in this series about faith. 
about how to take your next step closer to Jesus, which is the heartbeat of our church, that for each of you, you would take another step closer to Jesus and following him. And that's what faith really is. On week one, we talked about faith is simply putting our hand into the hand of God and walking into the unknown. The, the closest word that we have in the English language for the word faith is the word trust. And so we've been talking about how to grow our trust, how to grow our faith in Jesus and follow after him. And we said there's five trusted ways that the scriptures give to us that we wanna preach about and teach about to grow our faith at New City. So no matter where you might be in your journey with Jesus, if you're just starting, if you've been following for years, my prayer is that you can engage these five principles of growing your faith and take another step closer to Jesus. And we started with practical teaching and we looked at the Sermon on the Mount. And what Jesus says about building our house, not on sand, but on the bedrock of truth applied into our lives. That the wise man is the person that not only hears the truth and receives it, but also puts it into practice and applies it. And then we continued by looking at providential relationships. And we looked at Acts chapter 18. I mean, the providential relationships are all over the scriptures. Uh, These people that God brings into our story to help us to see more of his story. But we looked at Aquila and Priscilla and Paul and how God connected them for the purpose of partnering together for the gospel so that so many people throughout the Gentile world would come to know Jesus. And and I challenged each of you to think about relationships and people in your life that maybe just maybe God has placed there for such a time as this to help you to grow closer to Jesus. And maybe God would even use you in the life of someone else. God uses providential relationships to grow our trust, our belief, our, our faith in him. And then last week, Pastor Rodney talked about private disciplines, these rhythms of grace, if you will, And I love what he said. He said, you know, it's not the disciplines in and of themselves that grow our faith, but they position us to hear from God and to grow further in our journey with him. And so he looked at the example of Jesus from Mark chapter one, where Jesus would get up early in the morning, that was his custom, and break apart from other people to go to a deserted or place of solitude so that he could commune with the father, that he could pray and he could meditate and fill his heart so that he could give out to other people people. And God calls us to do the same thing. And again, Pastor Rodney uh, taught a great message about whether it's things that you need to engage or things that you need to abstain from. God gives us these rhythms, these these disciplines that we're meant to do to to seek the heart of Jesus and to grow our faith. Today, I want to talk about personal ministry, getting out of the armchair and and, and engaging in, in this thing called faith. To, to be an active participant, not just a spectator. And so I wanna look at Matthew chapter four. And if you have your scriptures, you can go ahead and, and turn over to Matthew chapter four, verses 17 through 5.1. If you're following along on the New City app, the, the sermon notes and outline are preloaded there. There's a study guide to go further and the scriptures preloaded there too that you can follow along from Matthew four. Be, be turning there as we talk about personal ministry. And then next week, we're gonna finish the series with the fifth principle about how to grow your faith, how to grow your trust, and Jesus take another step closer to him this year by talking about pivotal moments. And I'm gonna look at the life of Moses from Exodus two and three. So please make plans to join us next week as we finish the series together. You know, it's been said that life is a classroom that God uses to grow our faith. 
Life is a classroom that God uses to grow our faith. And if that's true, then maybe the last year has been a master level intensive in growing our faith and our trust in Jesus. It takes me back to some of my classroom experiences. I know some of you are teachers, some of you are students right now. Uh, Many of you remember being in a classroom. And so you probably have a teacher or a classroom story. I remember going through Greek in seminary and I was not uh, a a great uh, language person, but I I made it through Greek and Hebrew, but I remember my Greek professor, Dr. Kazarian, and he had a way of teaching that would engage the class because if it were up to me, to be honest with you, I would like to sit on the back row, which I often did, and just kind of be quiet and listen to other people answer questions and take some notes, but not participate because I was scared and I really didn't know the material. But Dr. Kazarian would call all of us by name to come up to the board and parse the Greek sentence. And it, was, it, it could be embarrassing and difficult, but he would walk with us through it and help us. But, but man, I learned I learned, I learned how to parse and, and how, to, how to understand and engage the language and get more comfortable with it by participating. And God calls us to do the same thing. The, the, the truth is that, see, see if you agree with us. The truth is that comfort, like sitting in the armchair in silence, comfort and, 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 and crisis, if you will, or, 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 or calling, they, they don't go together. Comfort or crisis and calling don't oftentimes, um, you, you know, they, they, they don't seem to fit. They, they, we can't make sense of it. But, but, but if you really think about it, it comfort, it, 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 it almost always, it almost always moves us to a place of, um, you know, passiveness and not engaging and crossing our arms and being in the armchair. But crisis or discomfort always, almost always moves us to a place of having to trust and so I, I, wanna, I wanna challenge you with this. Think about somebody in your life, think about somebody in your life that, that has a big faith, that you really admire the way they trust God, the confidence that they, that they have in God. And I want you to, to ask them the question, have you ever gone through a crisis or has your comfort produced this type of faith? And I, I almost guarantee you that what you're gonna hear is a story of crisis a story of discomfort, a story of being called out of the comfort of your seat up to the whiteboard, if you will, in front of everybody and being uncomfortable and how that grew their faith. And so oftentimes we don't think about our, our discomfort, you know, connecting with our faith, but often, but, but, but actually it does. And so the, the, the more uncomfortable we are sometimes and the more crisis that we experience, which many of us are and have and will, it calls us to a place of, of not trusting ourselves and learning how to trust in God. The truth is discomfort forces us to stop relying on ourselves. And I wrote this in my notes. The beginning of growing our faith in God oftentimes is the lessening of faith in ourselves. Let me say that again. The beginning of growing our faith in God is the lessening of our faith or our trust and confidence in ourselves. John the Baptist said it this way when he looked at Jesus. He must increase and I must decrease. Jesus said it this way to his disciples in Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 and 25. Let me read it to you. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, so if anyone would follow me, if anyone would grow their faith, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now this, you know, coming back to the whole idea of comfort and calling oftentimes don't go together. 
Like you gotta be uncomfortable and experience crisis to actually understand your calling and grow your faith. It doesn't seem to fit maybe our grid of growing our faith to think about denying ourselves or taking up our cross, this tool of execution and, and, and coming to the end of ourselves and following Jesus, that being the key to life and growing in our faith. But that's what Jesus says. Whoever would save his life and try to, try to preserve it is gonna lose it. And whoever would lose his life, taking up their cross, denying themselves, following me is gonna find purpose in life. How many of you, just raise your hand wherever you are, unless you're driving, only raise one hand. How many of you want, want to find purpose? You want to find more meaning? You want to find life in Jesus? Jesus says very clearly, this is discipleship 101 right here. We've got to deny ourselves. We've got to say no to ourselves and our flesh. We've got to take up our cross and we've got to follow after him. If we try to preserve our life and things in this life, we're, we're going to lose our life. If, if we deny ourselves and deny that, hey, this life really isn't all there is to denying my desires for this life and this life alone, then I'm going to find purpose and meaning. That's what Jesus says. And that's what we're talking about. Faith grows. Let me just say it very, very plainly. Faith grows as we follow Jesus. That's essentially what Jesus was teaching his disciples all throughout his ministry. And here's the good news for you and for me, for, for all of us who are Christ followers, who are trying to grow our faith and take the next step closer to Jesus. We are not the first ones that Jesus has asked to come out of our armchair, to come out of our comfort and to follow him into our calling. We're not the first ones that Jesus has said, essentially that your faith is gonna grow as you follow after me. All the way back to his very first disciples here in our passage today in Matthew chapter four, when Jesus calls his very first disciples, he's essentially calling them out of their armchair, out of their places of comfort and into their calling so that they can grow their faith. So let's open again to our passage. Hopefully you're there by now. Matthew chapter four, verses 17 through chapter five, verse one. The, the calling of the disciples and specifically Jesus calling each of us to grow our faith. Let me start with a little bit of context in the passage. It begins in verses 17 and 18 with this. From the time that Jesus began to preach, Matthew writes, he began to preach saying, repent. Here was the core message of Jesus's sermons. Here was his bottom line for his whole preaching ministry. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And that's true today. The same word that Jesus gave to his, his disciples in the first century is the same word that he preaches today through the, the power of the Holy Spirit. Repent, change your life. Stop following yourself in the patterns of this world and begin to follow after me because the kingdom of heaven is near. Matthew continues in verse 18 here in chapter four by saying, while walking by the sea of Galilee, referring to Jesus, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea because they were fishermen. You know, from this time forward, this, this movement of time that's captured in verse 17 helps us to understand some context. This was the very beginning of Jesus's ministry. So we've, we've seen beforehand here the, the baptism of Jesus, the temptation of Jesus. And now in chapter four, all of this momentum goes right into Jesus's ministry as he begins to preach uh, 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 the, the kingdom of heaven being near and the preaching of repentance, changing your life from following yourself in the patterns of this world to following after him. And I, and I love in verse 18, the movement that we hear, Jesus is walking by the Sea of Galilee and he sees these two brothers. And let me just stop there for just a moment in, in, in terms of context, because we learn something about Jesus here as he's walking and as he's moving. 
we, it conveys the idea and the understanding of the truth that God is moving. That we serve and we follow a God who is walking and moving. And he's coming through our neighborhoods. He's coming through our workspaces. He's coming through our homes. He's walking in our places where we are and calling to us and seeing us. This principle that God's at work, that he's on the move in your life right now, and he's in, he sees you right where you are doing exactly what you're doing, just as he sees Peter and Andrew here, and he calls to them. I love that God sees something in us and for us before we can even see it in ourselves. Isn't that true? God sees something in us and God sees something for us in our future that oftentimes we cannot see for ourselves. These guys, Peter and Andrew and James and John, they had a knowledge of Jesus from John the Baptist. If you cross-reference this to John uh, chapter 4, we, we, we see that, that in, the, in John's preaching and identification of Jesus, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. They knew who Jesus was. They had knowledge, but now they're going to experience him for themselves. And that's the context of this passage. And Jesus simply begins this calling by saying these two words, follow me. Look at verse 19. Follow me, to, specifically to Peter and to Andrew. Now, in, 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 in further context, just in understanding these two words, follow me, and the power of these two words, um, first century rabbis or teachers of the law in Judaism, which all of these were, were good Jewish boys, they would have understood this. A rabbi would have gone through different towns and, and cities and they would have identified the kind of the, the elite of the elite boys and, and called them to follow them and to, to teach them. So this whole calling to, to follow a rabbi and learn from them was something that they would have understood. Now, here's, here's the other thing. They would have all been passed over because they're all common fishermen, uneducated. We learned that in the, in the book of Acts. As, as people began to see them, they're like, these are uneducated people. How do they know all this stuff? Because the elite people would have been called to follow the, the first century rabbis. None of these disciples were called to do that. And by the way, it's an interesting thought. Neither was Jesus. That as maybe a rabbi came through Nazareth where he grew up, they didn't call Jesus to, to follow after them and to, to learn the law and to, to be discipled in that way. And yet Jesus switches this calling to, to follow him from the elites, if you will. I love this. The, the ones on the outside that look to be the smartest and the brightest and uh, the, the, the best physical appearance or from the best families or the affluent. It, it switches from that, the elite, to everyone. I mean, it, it, it didn't get more common in the first century than a fisherman, especially in Capernaum where they were. I mean, that, that was a dime a dozen. It was a very common everyday way of life. And Jesus finds these common people in this common place as he's walking and moving by and he sees something in them that they could never see in themselves. And he does the same to us. And his simple call is to follow him. And then it gets even better. Look at the rest of verse 19 and all the way through verse 22 here in Matthew chapter four. He says, follow me. And then I love these words, maybe underline this in your Bible or highlight it. And I will make you, follow me, Jesus says, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets, the scripture says, and they followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. And they're in the boat with their father, Zebedee. And they're mending their nets, doing exactly what fishermen would do. And he calls to them. And immediately they left their boat and their father and they followed him. By the way, parents, this is a 
great passage to pray for each of our children. That when Jesus walks by, because remember, God's on the move. He's moving and working all around us. You know, as, as Henry Blackaby says, look and see where God's at work and follow after him and go join him in that. And so for our children, parents and grandparents specifically, when our children see Jesus walking by in their life, that they would follow after him and we would applaud. We don't see Zebedee getting out of the boat and saying, boys, you got to come back and we're gonna, I'm going to lose the business. You got to stay here. You can't go follow this rabbi. You can't go follow Jesus. You're going to waste your life. I need you. We don't see that. We, 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 from the silence of the scriptures, we see him affirming that call for them to go and follow Jesus. And he says these great words, again, underline them, follow me and I will make you. That, that to me is the heartbeat of discipleship, of us growing closer to Jesus, which don't we all wanna do as followers of Jesus? As I started this message, the whole goal is that we would take another step closer to Jesus and then another and then another and then another. And Jesus says, Look, fix your eyes on me because I'm the author, I'm the perfecter of your faith. And as you follow me, I'm, here's my promise, follow me and I'm going to make you. You know, we try to make ourselves into a lot of things, don't we? if we're honest with ourselves. We try to craft an image, a veneer for everybody to see. We try to make our careers. You know, we even have this moniker and culture that we're a self-made person. And Jesus says, no, follow me. Here's the call. Follow me and I will make you. I'm gonna make you more into the person that I actually made you to be. I'm gonna make you more into the person that you were created to be as you follow after me. So for Peter and Andrew and James and John specifically here in this passage, what he's saying is follow me, I'm gonna make you and I'm gonna give you new purpose in your life. I'm gonna give you meaning. I'm gonna give you value. I'm gonna open your eyes to a whole new world. You're gonna go from catching fish and eventually them dying to catching men and women and children with the new life of Jesus and bringing them to life. You're gonna go from death yourself to life and you're gonna call other people in participating in personal ministry from death to life. And oh, by the way, all along the way as you're doing that, you're gonna grow in your faith. And here's their responses. Look at it with me here in the passage. Look at the responses of Peter and James and uh, Peter and, and James and John and Andrew, how did they respond to this call to follow me and I'm gonna make you fishers of men? Well, first of all, their response was immediate. We, we see that word used here, immediately in, in, in reference to James and John. And, and we're left to surmise that, that Peter and Andrew were the same. They, they left immediately. They, 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 they stopped everything they were doing and followed Jesus. If you wanna, ch- I heard, heard, heard someone say it this way. I, I love this. If you wanna change your world, right? If you want to, if you want to, or if you want to change the world, change your world. If you want to change something out there, start by changing something in here. You know, it's the old draw a circle around yourself and ask God to start right there. This is the whole idea of growing our faith. It's back to the beginning. It's easy to kind of sit back and to go, man, God, I hope you work in the world. And I really hope that you work in all these other people and, and maybe grow their faith and help them to learn how to follow you. It's a much more difficult prayer to say, God, start with me. Help me to follow after you. Be- begin in my life. It was immediate that they followed Jesus. And, and that's what God calls for each of us too. And here's, here's the second part of their response. Not only was it immediate, but they didn't ask any questions, did they? Go look at the passage again. I mean, if it were me, I would have said, well, where are we, <clears throat> where are we going? 
And how long are we going to be gone? Because I, I mean, I've got, a, I've got my life here. I got to, you know, and, and what do I need to pack? And what should I expect? And isn't there a, like a, like a, a seminar or a, an orientation class that I need to go to to prepare myself? No, they, they, don't, they don't do anything. And, and here's what this reminds us of, that, 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 that Jesus was the destination, that Jesus is the destination, that instead of you know, wrapping our hearts and our minds around, well, where's this call to faith gonna actually take me and what am I gonna be doing? And am I really ready for this? And can I really do it? And am I prepared? And on and on and on, all the things that we can get kind of wrapped around the axle with. No, Jesus is the destination. And that's why he's saying, just, just follow me. Everywhere else is, is just the backdrop. The destination is Jesus and following him. And then finally, the preparation for calling, which if you, if you search this passage of Jesus calling the first disciples and Jesus calling each of us, we don't see a lot of preparation. They have some knowledge of who Jesus is, but there's not a lot of preparation because it was on the job training. And that, that, that's the whole purpose and point of this message today, this whole fourth key to growing our faith of personal ministry that it as we join Jesus in the ministry of his kingdom, as we put our hands to the plow and we, we join him in this kingdom work, however that might be in whatever context, we actually grow our faith. One of the things that we say around here is that leadership is actually you know, one of the forms of discipleship. It, it, as, we, as we lead, as we are servant leaders for other people, God is discipling us. He's growing us along the way. That was certainly true for Peter and James and John, but, but it gives new meaning for how God works on the job, if you will, in training us and growing our faith. Let, let, me, let me say it this way as we kind of prepare to close. If God only called people who were prepared, there would never be any disciples. Can we agree on that? Like you would never be prepared enough to do some of the things that Jesus was calling the disciples to do and, and what Jesus is calling us to do and joining and participating in his kingdom work. Because God uh, prepares those who are called. He doesn't call those who are prepared. And there's a big difference. As we simply follow after Jesus, take the next step and following after him, God makes us. And he prepares us for the things that he calls us to. The disciples were specifically prepared as you go through the gospels and, and look and see how God made them. They, they listened, they, they watched, they participated, and then they began to lead. They listened, they watched with their own eyes. Then they began to participate as Jesus invited them to. And then finally they began to actually lead. And three plus years later after this moment, by the way, these disciples are the ones that are entrusted with leading the church and leading the kingdom ministry, participating in personal ministry. God did not call people who were prepared to lead. God called people and calls people who are willing to follow. Let me say that again. God doesn't call people who were prepared to lead. God calls people who are willing to follow. And that's exactly what we see happening here in Matthew chapter four. And then finally, the first verse in chapter five, I'm gonna close right here. This is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. We use this passage for the very first key of practical teaching. It's, it's Jesus' Jesus's longest sermon. It's his most famous sermon. It happens right after this call of the first disciples. And, and verse one, chapter five says, seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain, Matthew tells us, and he sat down and listened to the last little part here in verse one. His disciples came to him. 
And what does that tell us? That already after seeing all the amazing things that have happened as they've gone throughout Galilee, as they've seen Jesus preaching and and performing all kinds of miracles and healing and all the things here that are listed in, in the passage, after witnessing that, after listening to that, Now they're going to come right up close to Jesus because now they're ready to learn the kingdom way. They're ready to to follow Jesus in an even deeper way as he's called them. So so now all together, right? All together here, let me me read the passage to you. Matthew chapter 4, verses 17 through 5, verse 1. From that time, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And while walking by the sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter and Andrew, his brother, and casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Verse 20, immediately they left their nets and they followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. And they went all throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease Jesus did and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread all throughout Syria and they brought him all the sick and those who were afflicted with various diseases and pains, those who were oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics and he healed them and great crowds followed him from Galilee to Decapolis, from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan and seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain and he sat down and his disciples came to him. They have seen and heard and witnessed so many things. And now they're going to come right beside Jesus and begin to hear his teaching on this kingdom way of life. Here's just a simple application as we think about personal ministry. For some of you, the call is to, to jump into community. And in that circle, in that community, God's gonna call you to not only receive what the, the group has to give to you, but, but to minister to other people in different ways, whether that's through caring for them or maybe even teaching or praying for them. And so I wanna invite you into something called GroupLink. We're offering it next Sunday, February the 7th at 1 p.m. It's online. You can sign up right here at this URL, newcity.us slash GroupLink. Very easy to get signed up. I wanna call all of you who don't have a circle, don't have a group. We have men's groups, women's groups, couples groups, all kinds of different groups that meet in all kinds of different ways and, and all kinds of different places. But the bottom line is you need to be in community. You need a place where you can be poured into and where you can serve and minister to other people. And maybe that's the personal ministry that God's calling you to. Maybe for some of you, you're in a group and God's calling you to lead. We're always looking for folks to step up and to lead and and help disciple other people in the context of community because that's what God wired us up for. That's our design. So I'm gonna encourage you, whatever location you attend, whether that's at South Park or Idlewild or Matthews or online, to reach out to your location pastor or pastors and let them know, hey, I'm raising my hand. I wanna be involved. This is my personal ministry. I wanna help lead a group and help disciple and pour into other people in the same way that that's happened for me. The bottom line today is that faith grows as we follow Jesus. Let me say it again. Our faith grows, your faith grows as we follow Jesus. And Jesus makes it very personal here. He calls each of us to follow after him. And as we follow after him, his promise is, I'm going to make you into the person that I've created you to be. Faith grows as we follow Jesus. To him alone be the glory today. Let's pray together. 
Jesus, thank you for your great call to each of us. Thank you for always being on the move, for seeing us right where we are. Even today, even in this moment, you see us and you're calling to us to follow you. And thank you for this incredible promise that as we follow you, as we take our next step closer to you, that you're going to make us fishers of men. You're going to make us into the people that you've called us to be and help us to live on purpose and on mission and your great kingdom work. Thank you for making this personal and for inviting us into a personal ministry serving you and your kingdom purposes here in this world. Would you give us the wisdom today to know what you're speaking to us from your word? And would even in this moment now, God, would you help us to have the faith and the trust and the confidence to take our next step and obey? We'll, We'll give you the glory for it in the name of Jesus, amen. Send your hands for a benediction as we go today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Turn his countenance to you and give you peace. Go in peace, New City.